The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Hi, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'll be your host for today. I'm a spiritual journeyman type guy and media producer. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com, and I'm at the Center for Spiritual Living, Greater Baltimore, at CSL greaterbaltimore.org. Joining me today is our supercalifragilistic expialidocious co-host, Spiritual Rebel Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing today? Bippity-boppity-boo. Feels <laughs> like the appropriate response to that introduction. I'm doing okay, Jim. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So it's got some uh, interesting magic happening today. Um, we are actually talking with Christine Kane, who's coming on. She's the author of Soul Sourced Entrepreneur. And I, I really think her subject is, is relevant to our audience and to me. Um, I don't know about you, but for, for me, traditional business approaches are, are challenging for me. I, I just don't operate in those modes comfortably. Um, you know, so it's a learning process for me. I mean, I've, I've run businesses before. And, um, you know, it, I do things differently and I think about things differently. How about you? I would say the same. I really identified with Christine's book a lot with the, a couple of things. Um, one of them was the, how you use intuition and how you use creativity and things like that in business and not have to apologize for them, not say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm being woo woo or, you know, any of that type of thing to, to have some freedom to to go from whatever is driving you. I really appreciated that. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I do think that uh, it's not necessarily to bring all your crystals in and your astrology charts and, um, you know, readings and all that to when you're talking to investors necessarily. <laughs> but, but I unless think Unless they're that, crystal investors, they're in crystal which case. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I think that... Uh, I don't know about you, but I can't operate any other way than coming from a place of where I care, you know, and where I can really communicate with people. It's very difficult for me um, in the general corporate world, in a sense, to to navigate it in a way that feels good, you know? I, I do. And I think, you know, I've been involved in, in lots of different types of businesses and, and, and programs and organizations. And I, I learned some really great skills in corporate environments that, that really helped me do that. But 
I think when I was able to move from kind of a head-centered type of planning to something that used both my head and my heart, it's much more fulfilling. It's not just about, hey, I'm going to make a goal and I met the goal and yay, right? There's something deeper. There's something that deeper that drives us. And I think for those of us that are interested in compassionate service and, you know, and, and our, our impact on the people around us that we're working with, I just got involved with a group of people. We're launching a, a spiritual community called Compassion Consortium that's around this idea of interspecies spirituality and being able to do that with some planning, but also really connecting to each other during the development. It made such a world of difference. It was such a joy to do and it, it felt useful and it felt, um, it felt connected kind of divinely, if, if that makes sense, connected to, you know, whatever we're, we're called to do as opposed to here's my Excel spreadsheet and I got nine out of the 10 items done. Now, now granted, I'm still using Excel spreadsheets and I love my binders and I love my um, sticky trapper pads keeper. and my pens, trapper my trapper keeper. keeper, all of that. But, you know, bringing the creativity and bringing, uh, as Christine calls it, you know, the soul-centered approach, I think is, is something we really need to think about. Yeah, and I think for me, it's the same with approaching spirituality. It's like, to me, it's... Um, it's not it's science combined it's the mind combined with the intuition and the soul sense you know I exactly don't, i don't yeah. think we dismiss one thing and and just accept just embrace one part of the equation to me you know one of the reasons i got into new thought is you know i i felt that it was addressing my mind and my thought process as well as the spiritual essence of things. And I don't think they need to be, um, you know, separated. And I feel the same way about business. You know, I, I want to, I, we need to be, reach certain goals to be a successful business, but at the same time, it has to fulfill us. And it has to do, to me, it has to do some good in the world too. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that, that whole split of, um, what is science and what is spirituality? I mean, we just have to throw out the idea that there's even a split. You're right. Right. Or, and I think we do that a lot with the authors that we talk to on this show, Jim, just what, you know, it's blurry and it should be, yes. it should be blurry and it should be interconnected. And we should, I've been reading a book right now on a combination between, it's from like the sixties, but it's a book on mental health based on some insights from dolphins. Huh. How cool is that? I'll, I'll, I'll report back on what I learned, but the idea that things don't have to be in these separate boxes and we can use them together. I, I think that's important. Well, I think we can just look at classic television regarding flipper to, uh, access. Oh, poor flipper. I know. Oh, don't even get me started on these poor animals in captivity. Oh, yeah, and there we go true. down that road. <laughs> yes. Well, it's an important road and, you know, I think that, uh, you know, what we're doing is we're trying to open up our minds to the realities that are, are how we operate in the world and beyond that, you know, so you're right, it is, it's a blurry line and it should be a blurry line. And I think the barriers, combine, yeah, yeah, the barriers too to creating businesses, to creating products, to writing, to making music, to making art, to getting to people who who want to connect with you they're so much lower now than they used to be right you had to be in a company or you had to be you know there were just a lot of uh 
a lot of roadblocks, stumbling blocks, and a lot of that's gone now. We, we really can be so creative with the technology we have. Yeah, we really can. We really can. All right. Do you have a quote today? I do. It's a couple of sentences, but I think they're worth it. Here we go. The future will require heroes and heroines who are not just brave, but joyful as well. Not just productive, but relentlessly creative. Not just capable of organizing effective actions, but of acting spontaneously to comfort, give compassion, act generously, make beauty, and share joy. Oh, I like that. Right? That's my new mission statement right there. It's got oh, a lot of pieces that. to yeah. it and a lot to unpack in there. But that's that's Trebe Johnson, who is an author who writes about the connection between people and nature. And it's from a book called Radical Joy for Hard Times. Oh, I like that. Wow. How appropriate right now. Yeah. And the book's a few years old. So it was actually written before um, all of the hard times we're having right now. But this idea of how important joy is. And I really like the, the section that says, not just productive, but relentlessly creative. Yes, yes. Oh, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, I have a very short one. And that is, all the suffering, stress, and addiction comes from not realizing you are already what you're looking for. Ooh. That's got a little piece of roomy in there of that. You are that which you are seeking. Yes. Who, yes. who is that? John Kabat-Zinn. Oh, sure. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to jump into the episode today? I am. Let's get soul-centered. Let's get it. Here's Martha Creek with a Unity Moment. Hi, friends. This is Martha Creek. You can contact me, MarthaCreek.com. It's a delight to serve here with you today. I, I live um, to serve those who are serving. And in this series, I'm looking at the resiliency, the characteristics of resilience and resiliency. And my value, it's my, it is my highest regard and my favorite things about humans and it requires some practice and cultivating that innate and inherent quality we have for resilience and how that can be up-leveled and uplifted through our own contributions to that too. So today's encouragement and inspiration invitation is to look at how to reframe certain things. So um, the first segment I talked about gaining perspective, gaining perspective, taking a step back and viewing things from a bigger picture. The second part of that is reframing something. So this is awful, 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 or this is awful, it feels awful, and what am I going to do about it? So yes, it's challenging me. Yes, it's it's not comfortable, and it's not fatal. This too is, um, I don't have to see it as as awful as I'm feeling it, and I don't have to call it a problem. So in New Thought teachings, we know that if whatever I name a thing, I'm going to experience that thing. So if I call something a problem, anything a problem, I'm going to experience it as a problem. So getting a reframe around this is going to help me have an easier time with it. Now, you don't have to call it an opportunity. 
<laughs> you don't have to say, oh, this is an opportunity. And let me tell you, nobody burying their child today wants to hear that this is an opportunity. So please, please, let's see if we can all come out of that misunderstanding of the teaching to say <clears throat> that this is a child dying. No sane parent wants a child to die and children still die. So then how to be in the situation, how to be with the human heart in a situation like that, less and less and less seeing it as awful, seeing it as a problem and not um, bypassing it either, but to say, I've got to see this with a new framework around it. This is included in the human learning processes. How can I be with this pain differently? How can I be with this loss differently? And it may be something less severe, like even you go out today and you've got a flat tire on your car. <laughs> it's like, OMG, OMG, it's awful. Then if we're doing what we learned last week, which is to step back and to see the bigger picture to get some perspective, it's like, wait a minute, I've been driving for 50 years and I've only had three flat tires in 50 years. Well, so let me not have such a big reaction to this one, maybe. And then I can look up on the tire and call it what it is, a flat tire, instead of the mind saying it's awful, 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 ain't it awful, or this is a problem. So reframing, reframing. So what could you, what situation today could you, friends, reframe just to see it even a hair different than maybe you're seeing it for your own well-being? For your own empowerment. All right. I know you will. I know you can. All blessings to you. And now it's time for our interview. Christine Kane is the founder of Uplevel You, a multi-million dollar business coaching company, which was an evolution from her 15-year career as a touring singer-songwriter with her own record label. Both businesses were built from scratch without a single investor. Very impressive to me. Learning as she went, she did it all step by step. And now she shares this wisdom with her clients so they can finally get it, apply it, and succeed in their own terms. Her company's masterminds, trainings, and events draw entrepreneurs from around the world. She's the author of the book, The Soul Sourced Entrepreneur, an unconventional successful success plan for the highly creative, secretly sensitive, and wildly ambitious. Hi, Christine. Welcome to Big Universe. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. It's so great to have you on. Um, you know, love the book. Obviously, you're on, so we love it. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, we're we're coming from a spiritual perspective, and so we got a lot of people that uh, listen that are definitely in this category of soul sourced entrepreneur. And you know, I got to start out with the basic question: What do you mean by a soul sourced entrepreneur? There's there's many different levels for how I share this, and the way just for, for very basic level, being soul sourced is a way of running your business and also obviously, as you know, of living your life. So it's an identity that I see right now people are really craving and really leaning into given the, the way our world is going. But the simple answer that I would share is that it's really about becoming successful from the inside out. And that really means to understand, as you read in the book, that your business is what I call the training ground for your soul's expansion or your even your personal expansion. And so when you do this, you're using the mind and the emotions 
as the tools that they are to help you become more confident, more successful, more clear in navigating your every day of running a business or even just doing your work. And it is challenging running a business. And, you know, you, you speak to, you're speaking to me in your book because, you know, I am highly creative. I am secretly sensitive <laughs> and I am Im- ambitious. It's a, it's it's hard for me as a person to navigate um, the the so-called business world as we've as we've previously understood it, and still you know be true to myself, you know without sort of betraying that. Can you just talk a little bit about that? I mean, that's what our whole interview is about. But if you could just you know touch on that a little bit, say more about what you're asking. I mean, I, mean, I know where you're going. I just want to hear sure. a little bit more about what inspired that. Sure, I. What I'm saying is, um, in a daily basis, you have to deal with things in a business that are, you know, nuts and bolts of how the business is is done. But when you encounter the okay. attitudes yeah. of people out there, sometimes the realities of the world, yeah, the realities <laughs> of the world, it's very challenging. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering, from your perspective, what is what is a good way to start off the process in your mind to to encounter this world in in a soul source based versus you know what the world presents well in some ways that is like you said what the whole book is about um what's interesting just to sort of add a little bit of perspective to what you're asking is that this book when my agent and i started to shop it there was so much resistance in the business publishing world because the the feedback we kept getting from from publishers and big and small alike was this person doesn't exist. You know, this secretly sensitive, wildly ambitious person doesn't exist. And the belief in business is that you are either just going for it and aggressive and you're doing what I call, you know, the old rules, as I call um, in the intro, the old rules of business, or you are just a complete wimp and you're not going to succeed. And so what I will say is that from being a musician first for 15 years of my life and then opening a coaching company, I have seen this person more often than not really be able to navigate this this business thing very well. It just doesn't look the way we have been taught that business looks as with most things. And so the starting step is, and I don't, it's not like a a pitch for my book, but it's kind of what my book is all about. It's, it is awareness first off, a a full on awareness of, oh, this is who I am and that's fine. And I can do this. And then the next starting step I would say would be around uh, intention and really understanding the power of each of us of of how we initiate that intention and how we re-anchor back to that intention. And I know it's a word that is used a lot, but it's often used in the same way that the business message is used, which is, oh, you just do it and it's very mental and then you go and then you're good. And what I try to do in this is recognize that there is a daily navigation to all of what we're doing because ultimately you set an intention and what you're asked to do at that point is really to understand and manage your own energy as that intention begins to come to life. And what we all tend to do is when we hit the obstacle or when we we deal with the aggressive person, we collapse or we just say, see, 
you know, my dad was right. You know, Uncle Bob was right. I wasn't cut out for business. <laughs> and that's where we stop. And what I try to do is really give people the steps for working inside of themselves to understand you can completely do this, but you just have to recognize and be aware that you are going to be somebody who is more sensitive as you navigate this. Did that answer your question? Yes, definitely. Okay. You know, there was something on that topic, Christine, that I really liked on the intention. You have an intentionizer tool, uh -huh. which first of all, I just love the catchiness of the name. I was like, what's that? I want in on this. And then while I was reading it, there was a reference to Star Wars. And I said, oh, Christine, I'm really in. I need, I need to hear about this. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about the intentionizer tool? I thought that was such a great place to start on this journey. Oh, thank you. Well, the, the, I, okay. So just a little background. I have been coaching people since, uh, even when I was a musician, I started coaching people. So I've been coaching people since about 2008. And I started this business and left music behind it fully in 2010. And as I created things, I realized that our brains like to anchor to things that have a name, like intentionizer or that kind of stuff, because it makes us more excited than just, oh, you know, every Sunday you should really set an intention or you should just tape intention to your mirror every day or all around your house or whatever it might be. And so the intentionizer tool, why I designed it is because so much of the, the world that we've been in for a, a while now, I would say since early 2000s, is this sort of mythical view of intention that kind of essentially says you should not have any negative thoughts. You should be 100% pur purposeful. You should know your purpose. You should never stray from your mission. And, and you have to be clean. <laughs> and what I did with the intentionizer was I wanted someone to have a full 360 view, speaking to awareness, understanding who they are, who is walking in the door with this thing and also understanding the stuff that's not so noble, quote unquote, or not so, you know, purposeful. And I did that because I found that once people were given permission to bring all of it to the table, not just, you know, their perfect, you know, mission and, and purity and all that, that once they could also let their ego be a part of this and know that that's part of what drives some of us, that they could take a 360 approach to it. They could really understand what they were doing this for. And that gave them more freedom in how they entered what this intention was going to bring them on this journey of intention for themselves. And so it's just, I always, I think that every step we take has to start with our, our mind, with our mental and then it starts to move us into the experiential. And that's what this prepares people for. And that's why I create so many tools <laughs> that come with the book. What's a piece of that intentionalizer? I know there's a lot to it, but what's a piece of that that you could share with us at the moment? Well, to speak to what I was just talking about, I in the intentionizer, what I do is I, I say to bring, to, to really get aware of some of the, I, th I think I just limit it to three, three of the real noble reasons why you are intending this thing. And then three of the not so noble, I call them more of your ego reasons. So part of this came, that awareness came for me when I was a musician and I was going to stop playing music because I realized I had this, 
these sort of like alongside of that part of me that wanted to like just serve the world with my art. I had that side of me that was just like, screw it. I just want people to clap for me. Yeah. Fill up this empty <laughs> hole. It's so true. You know? it's so I just, true. We just stand that. up and clap. Yes. <laughs> just just make me feel good. Right, and right. I I had a beautiful mentor at the time who was no longer alive, but he he really showed me that that was my way of doing a spiritual bypass of just sort of being like, yeah, if I'm not 100% pure, and if I don't feel 100% great all the time, then then I just sh shouldn't be doing this at all. And I realized that I had to live into the not so noble sides of myself. And so I included stuff like that because into the, into these tools, because as I coached my clients, and I started to teach them this stuff, because I had lived through it at that point, I just saw them completely breathe relief, like, oh, oh, I get to be real and that's okay. And I can still create amazing things and I can still accept these darker sides of myself. Often we're told um, to live our passion, but you know, there's a, how, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you, you have to live your passion from your heart, but at the same time, there are practicalities that you have to deal with. You need to have an income too. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I actually have a podcast myself and I, I did an entire episode on this and um, I call it the orgasms and pie version of passion. <laughs> All right. Where... I'll be, I gotta go. I'll be back in half an hour. <laughs> well, the, the myth of it is that your passion means that you're always just rolling in ecstasy at this amazing stuff that you do. And I learned from playing music that yes, that, you know, there was passion involved, but there's a lot of tedious stuff that comes with passion. And I don't look at passion as you've got to find a passion. You've got to do, you know, ex exactly what you're meant to do here. I think that sets us up for a lot of failure and a lot of it. It also keeps people spinning their wheels because they, they, they have this idea that if they're not completely 100% bought into the, the orgasms and pie version of passion, that they shouldn't do anything, that they should stay in their cubicle job. And so where I start in terms of passion is that some people do have um have a passion and a thing that they really want to do but more often than not it's about just finding what lights you up what delights you and sometimes that can mean that what delights you is getting something done or putting something out there it doesn't always have to be your passion um yeah i i remember some people who came to an event of ours it was a couple and they got up to the mic and they were all fired up and they were going to change the world. But I, I said, okay, but first maybe you should learn how to get a client because no one's going to come to you just if you say, I'm going to change the world because it's just like, yeah, get away from me. I've got things to do. So you have to learn. And this is where I teach the strategy track and the soul track of having a business and why both are so important. It's not just all about this, this idea of soul and I'll just let it all go out there and float away and make it happen and be passionate about it all. That strategy track is every bit as important. And as you're navigating the strategy track, this is where the soul starts to become a deeper thing. That's not just about that surface idea of passion that I think we've all kind of turned into an illusion that we are going to forever be rocking in ecstasy and joy. Well, thank you. We'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Experience the difference. 
Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We're talking with Christine Kane, the author of The Soul Sourced Entrepreneur. So Christine, I have a question about your acronym, I'm In, because I think that's a pretty powerful approach to things. Initiating, initiating intention, managing power, interpreting experiences, navigating decisions. Can you, can you speak to that a bit more? What, what does I'm In represent for you? It, it kind of is everything. And I, I know that sounds like an author who's just really jazzed up about her own book, but it really, it's actually the basis of our whole business. So when I started Up Level U, I had been a musician and I, and I didn't even realize it was going to grow like it did. And I began coaching people. And I realized that a lot of times people who are very sensitive or who are in the spiritual world, they would come into the masterminds and not everyone was like this, but we all have our way of doing this. They'd come in and they would want to hire the perfect person or the, the greatest marketing person or some salesperson. And the way they would talk about their business, it was like the team and the salespeople and the marketing people were all over there behind them, making the business happen while I get to sit here and do my genius work. And I realized that so many people were in an avoidance pattern with their own business, meaning they just had this wish that all of the tedious stuff, the hard stuff would go away and that they didn't really have to show up and be present. And what I started to teach my clients and show my clients and get them to really like savor was that their presence and being in their business was the reward. And even when it got hard. And so I'm in became something I started to teach at our events. And I would have people really get that I'm in. And, and sometimes I always say it, sometimes it has an exclamation point, And sometimes it just has a period. Because sometimes it's just like, oh, you know, when you have an employee <laughs> that goes wrong or a marketing campaign that doesn't work. Yeah. But either way, it speaks to the presence of the entrepreneur and it became the acronym of the book very naturally and it broke the book into those four parts um, of I'm in like you just laid out and that's that became my whole framework and foundation for everything that I do. Talk about managing power. What do you mean by managing power? When we set intention, most of us secretly believe that it will show up with, you know, in the mail or magically appear. And the way intention, in my experience with coaching thousands of entrepreneurs now, is that intention shows up in one of two ways. One is challenges and the other is opportunities. And so we are not, it doesn't just gift wrap itself to us. And as such, what we are then called to do is manage our own patterns and our own energy and what I ultimately call managing your power. And by power, I don't mean power like our, you know, <laughs> like we're going to fight and be aggressive. <laughs> I mean that, that force field that we are as humans in, in better way of saying it is just simply the energy that moves through you each day. And too often, what happens for most of us is we set our intention and we hit an obstacle or a challenge. And it may be something that is truly on the way to manifesting this intention or to creating that because it's something you said you want. 
But when you hit an old pattern or an old resistance, it is so easy to just collapse and to give up and go shrink right back into your old way of doing things or believe all your old beliefs. And so what managing your power is and what I really tried to lay out in the book is all of the ways that your patterns come up to be healed or transmuted or transformed by virtue of the fact that you have set an intention. So ultimately we're talking about really big shifts happening. How do you manage those and navigate those and understand with full awareness how to move through them, shift them, whatever it might be to create a clearer place of power as you move through your daily rounds in your business? That was a chapter that really spoke to me. Well, because it had a tool as well. The, you the like pattern rec Yeah, I like tools. The pattern recognition and rescriptor tool. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? So what I try to do with people is that in, in some ways as, as entrepreneurs, we are operating on this one plane where we're being very proactive or what I call creative. And the other plane, we have to work with the reactive. So creative, reactive, same letters, different spellings, radically different way of moving. And so that tool was created because whereas we can create a lot of great stuff, a lot of stuff that happens to us kind of blindsides us. It swipes us. We, we, we just are like, oh, I thought I'd done that before. I've been through therapy. How did that, you know, how did that hit me? And so what I try to do with my clients is I teach them how to prepare for those little energy drains and things that show up and really understand like when you're about to do a launch, for instance, what are some ways that I can prepare for the things that can blindside me? And so we're recognizing the pattern before it actually turns us into emotional messes and we're re-scripting different ways that we can respond to that thing coming up. Like, so for instance, as a musician, you know, I had so many fears of being rejected and my, that, that very first mentor I talked about one of the big breakthroughs I had with him was when I was getting ready to do another CD and I wanted to work with a, a bigger name producer and I was so scared of the rejection. He had me just lay the whole thing out in advance. Like we're going to list all the producers. We're going to put together the packages. We're going to write the emails and then you're going to just go for it. And once I saw that when I was prepared and I understood my reactions in advance, I wasn't at effect anymore. I was, I was now at cause. And so that whole tool is helping people understand who they are, what their reactions are, and setting them up so they can be successful in any, any of the more fearful inducing <laughs> endeavors that they're about to take part in. I, I like the guidelines that you give um, about, about the work. And, you know, the, your business is the playing field for your soul's expansion. Soft is hard. Commitment <laughs> creates confidence. You can tell I've read your book. Becoming is is the new getting, um, and so forth. Um, what do you mean by soft is hard, for instance? So that's actually me quoting Tom Peters, who um, has written many amazing books. And um, he actually says that in terms of working with companies and corporations in that the culture of a company the way each person deals with each customer, the code that is set up for how you work 
turns into, that's what everyone thinks of as the soft stuff and all of his clients roll their eyes at, but it turns into the hard numbers, that's the success that they all truly want. And the way I see it for the solo entrepreneur or smaller companies is that it's the same thing with how we manage our own, like for instance, how we're managing our power each and every day. That soft stuff is what creates the hard results. And I tell my more sensitive and creative entrepreneurs that they're naturally wired for things like marketing, which feels like hard stuff. But most people think of marketing, for instance, as just the vehicle, which is the hard stuff of marketing, the vehicle and the data and the numbers. But the soft stuff is the is like the batter you pour into that if the vehicle is a cupcake tin, for instance, it's that it's that stuff that we naturally do as creatives and entrepreneurs and and sensitive types that we just need to learn how to uh, communicate it to the world and honor it enough to turn it into those hard results. You you stole my idea of of the cupcake tin. So I'm going to have to, (laughs) I'm going to have to go back and work on on my ideas. Um, Curiosity is the new certainty. I I like that. Um, Tell me, tell me what that's about. I, I don't believe that anything is certain. I don't think it ever has been, but I think we have been under the illusion that there is certainty. And this is why I've had so many people say to me, this is a book for our times, because last year we were all really truly introduced to how real uncertainty is. And so instead of looking at it as certainty is the opposite of uncertainty, I like for people to really look at it as curiosity is the opposite, because curiosity opens you up more. It creates more wonder. It creates more expansiveness in how we do our business. Instead of looking for something so hard as certainty, we we really start to flow with life and with other human beings and with the dynamic nature of ourselves when we open ourselves to curiosity. Because really, ultimately, I always teach my, my clients you know, what, what the rest of the world calls failure, we're going to start calling research and development. Because every time a launch fails, every time a campaign fails, you just got better as a marketer. You got better as a salesperson. And that's the that's that curious attitude as opposed to this guarantees results, which we all know is not ever going to be the case. Commitment creates confidence. And I, I really get this one. And I think that's so important. We have all these intentions, but unless we put them into practice and actually, you know, move towards them, we we can't. We can't know them. Yes. So if if you're thinking of like if if I was going to ask everybody who's listening or you know all of us here to think about any thing in your life that you are proud of, that you have accomplished, that you truly love, if we were to reverse engineer like something like that you do naturally, like having kids or having a happy marriage or writing a book. Did that, did the confidence come first? And what I found with my, like with myself uh, as a musician, I thought I was going to get confident and then get on stage. And it doesn't work that way. You, you commit first without any confidence at all. You are scared to death. And <laughs> yes. you get on stage, right? And you, or you write that book or you get married and you're just scared. And what happens is like, if you were to reverse engineer the thing, you, you go back to that and you go, yeah, that's right. I was, I had no idea what I was doing, but what happens is the courage comes 
from there, like you start to get more courageous and you build that skill of courage. Like I started to realize, oh, you know what? No one did burn me at the stake when I got on stage and sang badly or had shaking vocal cords or whatever. And then you you just keep standing in that courage and guess what? Your skill sets get built because you did that. And, and the skill sets are what start to create the confidence. And we're all waiting for this magical, it's just sort of like what you, you, know, you said about passion things, passion, confidence, all these things, they, they don't get dumped on us. They're truly part of how we live our life. And so what starts everything is, is I'm in, is <laughs> really and truly I'm in and I'm going in and I'm committing to this. It's why, you know, whenever I set a date for an event, I just always feel terrified. Like, oh, it's for real. I can't just sit here and fantasize about <laughs> it. You know? Whatever, whenever you say, I'm going to do a podcast and it's every Sunday or whatever you're doing. Right you can't sort of do the usual hedge, you know, and oh, well, no one noticed that I didn't go to the gym this morning. But if you have a thing you said, that's the commitment that forces you to get up and go and do something. I remember when I was younger, I, I did a brief, you know, sp uh, spate of acting and that sort of thing. And, you know, I, I had just started out and I was going on on stage and it's this it's it's exactly what you're talking about. You can't go on stage and not be terrified when you're first going out there, so you true. know, and but you can't act unless you go on stage. Yeah, that first mentor I told you about, he was an actor and he said, you know, you can't be an actor if you don't love auditioning at some level. Like you've got to just know that auditioning is your life. I remember doing that on my last book tour and every time I thought no one would show up, I would wake up that morning and think no one's going to come today. Mm. No one's going to come today. And then, and then they would. And I, even though I would try to remind myself, wait, they came last time. Mm -hmm. There's a high the, probability they'll come this time. There's, there's no rational. That. Yeah. There's, no, there's nothing besides just like, like you're saying, just going and saying, I'm going to show up. Yeah. Let's hope there's some people there. And, and then that raises that confidence. I think these phrases that you have are really, really helpful to keep in the mind in those moments too. Thank you. That's good. That's good to hear. And, and yeah, speaking to that, I had, you know, being on tour as a musician, I had nights where there were six people there or, you know, fewer. When I actually have a blog post where I talk about my one of my very first shows, there was a janitor. <laughs> <laughs> and how that one janitor, though, kept coming back as my career grew and he would bring all his friends and he'd always sit at the front table and then sit in the front row. And like as my he was always like my biggest fan in it. I showed up for him. I was fully present. And that's again that I'm in. It's been one of my life lessons. So I keep bringing that back to to my clients as well, because anyone who's done a book tour, anyone who's done anything like that and put themselves out. We've all had those times where it's been like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Didn't go as well as I wanted, but you live through it and you grow. And as you step out in business, it, it's the same thing. You, yes. you know, you, you don't know exactly what's going to happen with your business. You, you, you set an intention, you do the work, but you, you can't ultimately know. So do you just not show up? No, you have to show up if you want to do it. And that's the good thing about that commitment coming first is putting something on the calendar, promising something to someone like you would never miss a client call. Why are you not showing up for your writing today or whatever it might be? We And I, that's a lot of the book is actually little tricks for getting your ego out of the way. And really, so you can really start showing up. So one of my favorite tricks was towards the end of the book, and it was called embracing your funk. Mm hmm. 
And what I really appreciated about this, you said something along the lines of the things we consider weaknesses, quirks, and oddities are the exact things that when embodied can become the core elements of your high performance. Yeah. And what I, what I noticed where I was struck by with that is we're a very, very visual culture right now in terms of marketing. Yeah. And what's happening in how, how we're showing up visually and how we may be putting aside some of those quirks or weaknesses or oddities in favor of trying to look a certain way, uh, not embracing our funk. So can you talk a little bit to the importance of, of why we should? Yeah, on so many levels. I think right now, as noisy as the world has gotten, I think people are now on a, on a quest for what's authentic and what's real. I mean, not everybody. We always we still see the Instagram stars who are all plastic and fake and all that. There will always be a call for that. But in terms of marketing, um, this past year, I made, <laughs> I made my clients do stretch out of their comfort zone and show up and do Facebook Lives and LinkedIn, you know, clubs and little things where they were showing up on video and being their imperfect selves and people loved it. They got clients, they grew, they started to realize, oh, people like it when I'm really quirky. And anytime I make a video and I mess up or when I do my podcast and my cat Finnegan comes and decides to start meowing, people want to see that real side of us. It's just part of it. And I will say speaking to like the, the, you know, those nights when on it shows when people weren't in the audience I still have people write me and say there was one night you were in Chattanooga there was only six of us in the audience and you just sat on the edge of the stage and you played to us and I will never forget that like being real and embracing not just your funk but the funk of the moment it can all sort of be in the fodder of of that imperfect lovely gorgeous self that makes a really great business. And then on a larger scale, um, Dan Sullivan is, has, was one of my coaches for about six years. And one of the things he says, which I love, is go back and look at your report cards at all the negative things your teacher wrote about you. And you'll find that probably as an entrepreneur, it's what's made you successful. Well, that's <laughs> so it's, true. It is oh, true. It is she so talks true. too much. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Christine has ideas. She thinks are really good. And she never really stays with what's in the program, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And, and, but that's it is that all of these things that we have been taught to you know hate on ourselves for say you don't fit in this way you, you look out there and some of the people who have done the best are just i call it unleashing the beast you just are how you are and not in a careless you know world be damned kind of way but really really amping that up and really recognizing there is no such thing as perfect and people want to see what's really real more than ever Marketing marketing is quite hard for people, especially sole sourced entrepreneurs, um, in in my mind. Um, and personally, I, I attest to this because we have this idea that, you know, we have to prove ourselves and, you know, we're not worthy necessarily, but it's 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 about offering the opportunity, isn't it? Or what are your thoughts on on marketing from a sole sourced I could go on and on. This is this is pretty much what we do in our mastermind all the time. Marketing, the way I look at it is first off, marketing is energy. And so you're putting your energy out there. And the way I talk about building a business is then I turn it into a whole metaphor of we have the rain, like to, if, if rain is energy or if we're putting stuff out and then it starts raining or whatever, 
we need to have the, the systems, which is the strategy track, which is our little, you know, gutters and our rain barrels and our irrigation systems to the garden. So it has to be able to have a track to follow. And marketing is that. Marketing is this energy. And then people come to you and you have to have a path for them to follow. Otherwise, you're just putting stuff out there. But marketing, when it's done well, I teach something called the, the client matrix where we, we follow the client path and you look at who is your client, where are they at at each stage, and where are you at? How are you meeting them at each stage? And each the way you meet them is how you communicate with them. That is marketing. We have this word called marketing. I'm, I'm very anti-boxes, like boxes, words like purpose and passion and confidence and marketing. Marketing is nothing more than communication, but it's communication with an awareness of where your customer or client is at that point in their journey with you. And so if they're coming into your world and they don't know you, the communication you share is going to be a certain way. And then when they're, once they're in your world, a lot of people have this view that, oh, I've got the client, I'm done marketing. And that's not true. You've just, you haven't just made a sale, you've gotten a customer, to quote Dan Kennedy. And when you've gotten a customer, you you now communicate with them differently. You don't just drop it and sort of assume, well, they get it, they're in, they know they like me. You still are communicating in a way that informs, educates, elevates them in everything that they're doing. And so this is why that whole idea of being soul sourced is so important because your awareness of your energy levels as you do this is so key because that's what gets conveyed more than anything else. I know you must have heard this a million times. People must come up to you and say, I know I want to be an entrepreneur, but I have no idea what I want. You know, I, I don't know what I want. Not knowing what you want. Not at all. knowing what you want at all. What do you say to someone who's in that situation or feels that way? Well, there's a lot of different reasons why people don't like, quote unquote, don't know what they want. A lot of times it's they do know what they want, but they're just scared. Like they're just terrified and they've never given themselves the permission. I used to say, I didn't know what I wanted to. And when it really came down to it, and I described this in the book, when in, uh, in the part on intention, when I started journaling and I started writing letters to God in my journal, I grew up very, very Catholic. I had no concept of anything spiritual outside of the Catholic world. And I started writing, dear God. And that's when I realized I did know what I wanted. I was just terrified. Mm -hmm. And when I started articulating it, it began to get very clear about some of the things I needed to let go of. Because a lot of times, again, why we don't know what we want is that we also know we're powerful enough that there might be some transformation that happens in our lives. And we're going to have to let go of some things or some toxic people. And all of that can frighten us to death. But in terms of like when someone genuinely just does not know what they want, there's, there's again, a whole lot of other possibilities and reasons that's why I have a whole little section in my book on intention about you know what to do when you right, don't know what right. to do because it happens even when somebody's a successful entrepreneur they can hit walls and they can hit you know very deep soul stopping heart crushing places where they're just not happy in their business anymore and it really shows them it's time to change direction. It's time to shift. It could mean anything from firing somebody to no longer doing this particular kind of coaching work or customer work or whatever it might be. And that's where you really have to be willing to pause, to live with the empty, to face yourself and to really ask those deeper questions, which is where business can get very beautiful because it does start to reveal who is coming out 
of this and who is evolving here now. And sometimes it doesn't look like the way we thought it would. We all want it to be like, I make my, you know, my 3 million to 5 million, million a year, and then I do it again. And then I 10 exit the year after that. And, you know, and then everyone loves me because of it. That's our, you know, that's our, our culture that doesn't take the heart and soul into account with it. And it just might be that when you're, when you are in a place of, I don't know, it's really time to face that silence and that stillness and that unknowingness deeply. So as we wind things up here, and I wish we had a lot more time, we'll have to have you back on at That's some up point. To. Yes. <laughs> um, what's, you know, what's one final piece of advice you can give someone out there who's, you know, who wants to be an entrepreneur or is just getting, getting rolling? What's something that you can throw to them as a tool that would, would help them uh, get started? It depends on where somebody is always, but I'm going to anchor to a section in my book that's called energy doesn't lie. And it was, it was based on work that I did early on where I had said I wanted something in my, in my work as a musician. It was before my music career really kind of started taking off. And yet I had a lot of stuff in my basement that was old furniture that I'd bought when I was first trying to get started as a musician. And I was, I was holding on to it as a plan B. Like, just in case this doesn't work out, I might need this furniture. I don't even know what the mentality of it was. And I had a coach who said to me, the fact that you have that in your basement, in the foundation of your life, is basically saying to the universe, I know I said I want more success, but I really believe I have, a, have to have a plan B. Hmm. And his thing was, what you're creating is incongruence here. I know that's not a real word. Incongruousness would be the, the right word, but you're creating a chaotic vibration between what you say you want and who you actually are and how you're living. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say would be to, you know, if you say you want something, you want to get started, the easiest place to look around is how is the stuff in my life? How are the people in my life? How are the things in my world that I've set up that I've chosen not in alignment with who I know I am meant to become. Thank you so much, Christine. It's been wonderful having you on Big Universe. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. For more information about Christine Kane, go to christinekane.com. Christine is the author of the book, The Soul Sourced Entrepreneur. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses and help to create them on my website called youthrivefear.com. Thanks, everybody. I'm Jim Lefter. We'll talk to you the next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. 
If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.